Crawlers. We would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where this evening we are short Willow and Matai and mm. Alton. It just seems like we're short a bunch of people. It could be because of the snow apocalypse happening outside because I've had to literally shovel my driveway multiple times a day and I may have lost a child out in the snow, but that's okay. You know, we'll find him eventually. But the great thing is we have an amazing guest on the show this evening, author Jody Milner. Yay! She's been on the show before. It was about two years ago. Um, but in that time, she's written more and more and more, which is amazing. So uh, the third book, Redemption, is out. And if you don't remember her other books, Betrayal, Apprentice, they're all part of the Sto- uh, Stonebearer trilogy, which is awesome. And, you know, Jody's fun to write with. I can say that because I have. I've, I've done that. Um so again, welcome to the show. Welcome, Hello. welcome. Actually, I do have one question about your choice of title, which is, um, I believe the trilogy is actually the Shadow Barrier trilogy. Is that correct? This is correct. But every book is Stone Bearer and then some, you know, uh, adverb or, or descriptive or adjective, something, right? Like it's <laughs> or some noun. Uh, why uh, they're they're all called Stone Bearer? Why isn't it the Stone Bearer trilogy? See, I did this perfectly. This you is, did. I, I totally That's an excellent up so segue. Well done. I got you, mate. So, um, the Shadow Barrier is the big overarching problem that exists within the story. It is kind of a key piece of our big nasty villain. Um. She lives in a place that is behind a thing that is referred to as the Shadow Barrier. And um, after workshopping, that was the coolest name we could come up with. And do I have some regrets? A few. But I kind of like it. it. It's grown on me. Excellent. Excellent. And, you know, it's been two and a half years since you were on the show last. We interviewed you, I think, after the first book, uh, the Stone Bearer Betrayal, I think it was. Right. So I believe I came in first. Oh, it's got to yeah. be early 2019. I came in with uh, yeah. Stone Bear's Betrayal. And then in 2020, I might June have joined yeah. you yeah, for um, Stone Bear's Apprentice because yeah. you guys have always been my favorite people to hit up for a amazing interview, especially when I come out with fun new things. Well, mm-hmm. we love having you on the show. So, so the last time we had you here two and a half years ago, that was for the second book. That was for that Apprentice. Was. Okay, yes. cool. And now we have uh, the third book, which I have, is... I have three books in a trilogy. Isn't that exciting? It, it is. is. It is exciting. It is exciting. And uh, this is Stonebearer Redemption, correct? Yes. Awesome. Now, is this book already on shelves or is it coming soon to a bookstore near you? It is on shelves right now. Um you can get the ebook. It the ebook released yesterday officially. Oh, nice! And then the print has been out a little bit longer. Um, there were a couple little hiccups in the plan. If you pick up the paperback, you might pick up a rare collector's edition that <laughs> we are in the process of fixing. Um, that has a small misprint on the cover. But okay. uh, like I said, well, we see these opportunities. Print. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So uh, you, you've got the um, ebook edition out. You have the paperback. 
you uh do you have audiobook The first book is in audio. I haven't gotten the second and third into audio, mainly because um, it costs a lot. Yeah, it's But expensive I would to do an like audiobook. to because I love the audiobook format. It's one of the principal ways I personally enjoy uh, books. So I would like to get mine into um, audio sooner than later. So if you're saying that audiobook cre uh, creation is expensive, that tells me that you're not the one creating the audiobook. Is that correct? I have considered doing my own recording, but I'm a bit daunted by the whole idea of it. And um, if I did, I would like to find at least some expert to come guide my way. Um, I have yet to find said expert, but I am taking applications. You might know some people that know audio stuff. Oh, I know. I know a, a handful. <laughs> I'm feeling I've got some good people in my uh, my handy Rolodex. That yes. you have. So, so at this, and the reason I'm asking all these questions about formats is because for those people who are joining the show around now and they're getting to meet you for the first time, they're now hearing about a third book in a trilogy. How can they get caught up? Well, there's an ebook of the first book. You've got paperback of the first and the second and the third uh, audio, other audio books, maybe I'm sorry. There's an audio book of the first book and there's ebooks of, Yes. of the other, of the Yes. other three, right? Yeah. So they have like seven options that they can go to, to read any one of these three books. I know the other audio books are coming soon. I get it. Uh, but I, I just want people to understand they have, They have choices here to get caught up. Now, Yeah. book number three. Yes. Uh, when, when did that come out? It officially released December 13th, which for us is yesterday. Um, and so I've been having my hat feet ants like all week, <laughs> but I've also had a figure, I'm trying to figure out what to do with myself now. Cause it's like, Oh, now what market. You got to market market? yourself. There's been a lot of that. And market the book. I And know. then you start the next project. I know I'm getting excited and there's ideas that might have a werewolf in them. I'm not sure. <laughs> that might have Awesome. a werewolf. Team As long Jacob as you, Unite. as long as you don't have sparkly vampires, we're on board. True I've been told story. I'm not allowed Yes. to do a sparkly Whoever anything. told you that was a real friend. They're tr looking out for my interests. Well, wait a minute. If you have a sparkly vampire, it can happen just the brief second before it explodes. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. It can sparkle <laughs> as it immolates. That's right. yes. That's right. So how long did it take you to write book three of this series? That is a um, kind of long and convoluted story. So I will do my best to keep it kind of short and to the point. It was, I think it was early 2021 where I was getting to the end. I started getting my polishing edits on. Uh, it was late 2021 when I turned it into the editor. And at that point, the editor told me if I didn't change a couple things, uh, readers are going to throw the book against the wall. Uh, I made some big mistakes and um, I'm taking them all as a learning experience, but I'm, I'm told now that you can't give your really big, nasty, horrible villain villain who's tortured people and has done big nasty things you can't give them a redemption arc at the very end of the big story um without having hints the whole way through that it was a possibility Oh, I and see. since i'd already released the other two it would have been a bait and switch and so she strongly encouraged me to have a 
do better and be smarter and come up with something even more awesome that made more sense with the universe that I already created. And I'm really glad she did because what came from that was a much better story. Mm. And um, my villain got the ending she really deserved. <laughs> and it's there's some poetic justice in there. There's um, it's this whole emotional train wreck of wonder. And I love it. Train wreck. of This wonder. is really funny because I'm doing that in my book. Spoilers. Are you giving your villain a happy ending? Well, he he's not the main villain. I'm uh, going to slap your wrist. It's kind of funny that we're almost on the same page. Um, it's the hair. Sorry. It, it's got to be. Yeah. Gingers unite. Except for yours is more red than mine is now. Ah, oh. uh, that would be the henna. Between the three of us, she's definitely the superior ginger by color alone. Yes, yes, yeah. But um, no, I mean, it, the thing that I really appreciate about this. Um, is that your editor had the, the the guts to say, "Hey, there's a problem here, and this is what it is." Um, that's you know, that's a good editor. Uh, the and, other, and I'm really glad she did. Yeah, and the other thing, you know, and it kind of goes along with you know the question I was going to ask is, so we you have book one and two, and you're you're excited, you have this story flowing out of you. Did you struggle kind of connecting the dots from the previous two books? And it kind of sounds like, yeah, there was a little bit of a disconnect there with the character or the villain where you, know, you wanted this well, it, redemption. Without so it started with a question I shouldn't have tried to answer. And okay. it was a question that was asked, I think, during a conference where they're like, who loves your villain? Everybody has somebody who loves them. It might be their mother. It might be their yeah. dog. But everybody has someone, hopefully, um, in their life that just loves them. And so I think, who loves my villain? And this whole this whole story just fell out. And so book three has a lot of this idea that this villain has someone who actually cares very, very deeply for them and wants to try to make things right, but also knows they can't. And so we have this 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 tension that's just so delicious of knowing they're not going to get what they want and they're going to keep trying. And it's going to be this very bittersweet thing that I I'm starting to think that might be my brand. Hmm. Like this this drama and this, you know, all the feels kind of thing. Yeah. So, like so we've that. got a we've got a Luke Skywalker type theme going on here. There's not going to be an I am your father moment. Yes. There actually was originally. Oh. <laughs> and I, I weeded it out because that was part of this bizarro world storyline that just wasn't working. Is that we found that Katira, our brave hero heroine, was actually the genetic um, genetic offspring. That sounds really wrong. The, the great, great, great <laughs> granddaughter. Descendant? Descendant, yeah. thank you. Go. No problem, Wording I'm there for is you. Hard. <laughs> and English, uh, English again. English is hard. Well done. English is hard. Um, her the, the descendant of this really famous king that lived, you know, ages and ages before the beginning of the first story. And I'm like, ooh, it'd be so cool. There's like this weird connection. That's why the magic was working. Mm -hmm. And it introduced elements that didn't make a lot of sense and ended up being a little weird. Um, 
especially for things I'd written before. And yeah. so that was one of the things that did need to change. But yeah, I, I, for about five minutes, I had an I am your father kind of thing. You know, what would kind of be fun is, you know, what if you did kind of did what Brandon Sanderson did? So, you know, Wave Kings came out, had this, and then he did Wave Kings Prime, where he's put that on. It's kind of this alternate reality um, or multiverse version of uh, your oh. storyline. And you could still put that original story out, but it's not going to make your readers throw the book against the wall. That could be fun. There's a temptation. There could be like the split or like, yeah. Yeah. So, so. Um, for fans of your first two books, those people who have already read Betrayal and Apprentice, uh, how do you want to tee up this book and what do you want to say to tantalize them? Ooh. Um, in this one, all the answers are finally given. Um, that's, a good this, that's a good one. Like there, there's been some mysteries that I've teased along with this entire series and the big one is, you know, what is the shadow barrier? Why is it there? Is it good? Is it bad? Is this? Yeah. And and that's a big mystery that's always been there. And in book two, I mean, they have this, this massive showdown of trying to deal with it because, you know, our big villain has broken into their stronghold and is causing all sorts of problems. And they have, you know, wizard battles and magic and it's it's very exciting but they don't solve the problem they just remove one of the ways that this villain has been able to get into the real world from this world she's been trapped in but it never answers why she's in this world in the first place mm. how did she get there because they kept assuming oh this is just some kind of entity that's always been there and this is what i'm getting really close to spoiler territory um we can just leave it at that. So we might need to leave it right there and be like, if you want to know more, you can find this on Amazon or yes, your favorite place where books are sold. That's perfect. That's exactly what we're looking for. How do you tee this up and how do you tantalize? And you did a great job. I will yes. tantalize. So I, I know we talked about your writing process before and things like that. So I don't want to rehash too much familiar ground except to ask, you know, here we have a trilogy. My... My assumption, and maybe I'm wrong, is that this was, in your mind, this was always a trilogy? Yes, that was one of the only things that I had clarity on from the beginning. Everything else was a work in progress where if better ideas came, I was willing to be like, ooh, let's maybe explore this or not. Originally, this whole thing was going to start, was going to end with some giant multi-dimensional war with hundreds of people and like little demons. Yeah, we don't, didn't do the demon thing after book one because revelations were made. Um, but yeah, like that completely changed uh, for reasons of the plot. <laughs> for reasons of the plot. Yes. Man. We'll have to uh, talk about other yeah. things. Go. It's dangerous to go <laughs> as, down that road. <laughs> as, as you went into book one, like you're writing book one years ago now. You're writing book one, but you know this is going to be a trilogy. How did you... Like, what kind of a plan or a scaffold did you have in place at the start of book one? And how did you, tr like, how did writing book one ultimately, like, impact your view of that scaffold and that plan? 
mind you, book one was the very first book I ever wrote ever. And so there was a lot of learning experiences as we were going through that. Um, That was when I, I started figuring out like the ins and outs of story structure and like the important bits and how to maintain a cohesive storyline. And so honestly, when I had gotten first, the first book out and I put all this work into it and I knew there was going to be more to the story because there were loose ends. There wasn't a lot of concrete. This is what has to happen. Um, And so the creation of the second and third book was really difficult because I didn't have a target to aim at that was super clear. And, and those who have read the first book, like the main villain was referred to as the arch demoness the entire time. And that she, she took on this appearance of like, like, like her face would elongate and she'd get these really creepy teeth and she moved like a spider. And she's like, and, and I really painted her as this almost different worldly being Mm-hmm. And and then as I discovered more about the characters and I unwrapped more of this world and the culture and the bits and pieces that created it, I'm like, but she's not a demoness. She's actually something so much cooler, <laughs> but that makes her not an alien creature. It makes her something different. Mm-hmm. And so book two had some verbal gymnastics that had to happen and maybe a little bit of exposition it's like um actually we've learned something <laughs> new Ta-da! turns out so and that was that was me from an experience that was that was a part of the learning process of unwrapping the way this world was supposed to be and um and just pulling the wool off my own eyes of the potential of what these characters could be. And so after we went through book two and we're like, oh yeah, okay. So I went through book two. I'm like, I'm going to write two and three, like a smart person before starting, you know, before clicking the go on getting number two out. And so I felt like I had a pretty solid idea of number three, but that solid idea had the bad decision in it. Mm. And it might've had two different NaNoWriMo work months which isn't the breeding ground of the best decisions either <laughs> can you explain but, what that term means so NaNoWriMo is national november writing month and it is it is masochism for writers it is when we try to write a fifty thousand word which is a standard length novel in 30 days which means you write 1667 words every single day who's counting and um with the goal of trying to incrementally make it there i never was able to do consistent work but I, i'm really good at binge and purge work so yeah. um but the ultimate you, goal is to write fifty thousand words in a yeah month. and sometimes it allows creativity to take the front seat and your editorial brain to um take the freeway exit (laughs) and so you you can get a lot of really cool ideas and a lot of new ideas and and have this chance to kind of play with the direction you might want to go in and see if that has like that story has merit and sometimes you drive it into a wall and that's not great and sometimes you find cool stuff that you're like i'm totally using these bits 40 percent of my efforts are amazing 
the rest I'm going to throw in a blender and then pour it back out and hope that this is massaged until it's a beautiful thing again. Gotcha. Now, out of curiosity, uh, do you have, uh, of all the characters that are in book three that are not in books one and two, which one's your favorite and why? So we only really see two new characters in book three. And they, one is alluded to before, and one um, is completely new. And um, the one that I fell in love with is named Hannah. And Hannah is a stone bearer. She, she has magic. She is one of the seekers, which are people who are really good at finding stuff. Either it's finding the correct like magical spell, they use glyphs in this world, uh, Hannah's really good at finding stuff, but Hannah is a foodie. <laughs> so, and and part of book three um, is a portal fantasy where they're kind of stuck in a Groundhog Day-esque world. Oh, I like it. Which I had so much fun playing with. <laughs> I bet. And And one of the constructs of the world is that everything exists how it was when when the breaking of the world happened, and and this is when we're starting to approach spoiler territory again, um, but there was a breaking, and they're stuck in this moment. But this also means that she can go and find like all of these foods, and she can bring them back to like the campsite with them, and they can have these really lovely feasts. I was hungry when I wrote a lot of this, I think, <laughs> but. <laughs> There's, there's lots of cheeses and breads and meats and these glorious yummy things that you keep seeing in fantasy. You're just like, oh, I want snacks. Um, yes, yes. But if you don't pay attention to them, like if you're not holding it, it will still disappear. Yeah. So anything you bring that's new into an area that wasn't there at the time of the split will slowly disappear unless you're in, engaging with it or touching it or thinking about it. So no. there's this whole vanishing item thing that keeps happening that keeps driving people just a little bit nuts because they're like i needed those papers that we just picked up i just looked at them and they're gone again i mean that's some combination of alice in wonderland and just being over the age of 40 oh man right? yeah that, anything that, you set down is gone it's gone i stopped thinking about it children. it wasn't in my hand actually sometimes items disappear in my hand because i will <laughs> hold i will hold my car keys and be like where did i put them where are they i don't understand or you're holding your phone talking holding to someone yeah. and being like i'm just trying to find my phone Can't so i can phone. leave and they're like you're an idiot but we love you yes yeah. You're our idiot. That's how or, or not even holding it. it. You have it to your ear and you know, you're searching and like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm trying to find my phone. I can't leave until I find my phone. And like, what are you talking on? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Can you call me really quick so I can hear my ringtone? I just, yeah, <laughs> I love that. Uh, but, uh, now in, in no, the, that's in, fantastic. In the groundhog portal scene, uh, groundhog day portal scene, the question, I, the direction I thought you were going to go, because you were saying, oh, if you put this thing down, it disappears. I thought you were going to say, like, since the loop recycles, you can eat whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. It all resets back to where it was before. So there's no weight gain. There's no weight loss. And you get to have all these experiences mount on top of each other with, with no physical consequences, per se. Uh, is that an aspect in this world? Or is this, is, the, is, is this, like, portal sequence different in that way? 
So you're 80% correct. Um, those who were within this separated portal world at the time of the split, they kind of are living in a world without consequences. However, if they fall asleep, um, they reset back to the way the what they were thinking about what they were doing in the moment that it splits and they have a really hard time remembering what what they were actually trying to do um before that and so you get this this we don't want to reset we want to stay like because they're trying to research how to fix this broken Mm -hmm. portal world and they can't write anything down Mm. And so everything they have to do, they have to remember um, because there's no way of maintaining any sort of document from day to day unless they try to keep each other awake because there's two of them. They try to keep, they kind of try, and they've tried this so many times that like, yeah, we know it doesn't work at some point, but we try where like one would stay awake and stay with the other one. So like they could maintain the same chronological sequence, but as soon as one dozed off even a second they'd both reset and like ultimate frustration like it's it it's enough to drive you just a little insane it's just a smidgen lovecraftian i i i i have a huge question one were you reading or watching alice in wonderland and 50 first dates Fifty First States is so so cute. I know, but it's it almost, has nothing to do with the story. It's very similar <laughs> in a way because she falls asleep. You do. And it's all gone um, prior to that. But there's the same <laughs> feel, the same frustration, yeah. the same. How do I live my life? How do I live mm-hmm. a semblance of a life? Yeah. And so that's why they're so desperate to fix it. And that's where our our hero, our heroine, will come in, um, and make it. A thing nice and you know i we've talked about this on the show before where like you, when you get into really highfalutin uh film appreciation classes or like literature analysis classes you will find that people will uh, like dissect scenes for meaning that the author never intentionally injected it's just what people like extract from what they're reading but um but really the author is very like no sometimes sometimes a ring is just a ring um, yeah. but, uh, in this case, like you said that uh, about, about how, when these people fall asleep, they reset and they get, there's a little bit of frustration. There's a little bit of insanity, but then they like go at it again and they, you know, their memory is limited, all this other stuff. And I thought to myself, what a wonderful, like symbolic scenario for a few things. One is the ability to be present, to be invested in who you're with and what you are doing as opposed to being distracted and removed, although you're physically present, you're mentally elsewhere. Um, the idea that when we fall asleep, everything resets. Well, that's almost metaphoric for the concept of those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. Um, and so the, the idea of being invested and in the value of gaining knowledge and experience in the time that you are given, all of those things are like kind of beautifully summed up in this almost comical scenario of like, don't put down your sandwich, right? Like, it's <laughs> it's it's very much. It's I I think that's very cool. I don't know if that was any meaning that you had in your mind or that you thought about. It, and I don't I don't need you to confirm or deny. But like, I just think that's really really cool. Well, something I do feel very strongly about is learning to be your most authentic self. 
learning to be your most honest and most genuine self because anytime you're putting up a mask or you're putting out something that's not actually how you think or feel or believe like you're you're losing a bit of yourself and and a little bit of yourself will die inside because you're not embracing the thing that you were truly meant to be and it's taken a really long time um I kind of had a spiritual awakening about, oh goodness, like six years ago when I, I I started having all these realizations that there were parts of my life that just didn't represent who I was. And I just, I was tired. I was mm. just tired of not feeling free to start exploring experiences that I wanted to explore and ideas I wanted to become more familiar with. And so um, in the last six years, I've had a lot of soul searching and a lot of time to really just piece out what is, you know, the true authentic self. Mm -hmm. And so I, it does spill into your works in some weird way, because you yeah. can't, you can't put that many words on a page without injecting a little bit of yourself in there. Well, of it's, course, yeah. And so if someone was going to psychoanalyze me, they're going to think I'm either a crazy person or an enlightened person, and I'll take it. It's, that's kind of... Crazy enlightened. No, I, I think that's the joy of writing when you're creating these stories, is these small parts of you. So get to come out, you know? you One character is sadistic and evil and, th and that's a part of you it's like well if i ever came out and played this is how i would be or you know whimsical char characters that are funny and silly that are kind of the sidekick and you know there's a part of you that's that feels that way so i i think you know when you write you're right it's it's definitely a part of you it's no different than giving birth <clears throat> to a child you know but this is a little bit more intimate because it is physical parts of you or not physical um emotional parts of you that are coming yeah. out through these characters um so it is a little bit different and i think that's why it's very personal when someone rejects a book or a painting or something you've done because that expression it comes directly from the heart so these three books are all available now they can buy them on amazon i assume they can buy them. Um, Are they in bookstores, uh, such as bookstores still exist? <laughs> so I do have a limited supply at the Printed Garden. I will be getting him some more inventory because I haven't stocked him up for a little bit. But we're doing a little release party on January 13th. Mm -hmm. um, and so he will definitely have inventory by then. So, so for those who are in the Salt Lake slash Sandy area of Utah, on January 13th, you will be mm -hmm. at the Printed Garden in Sandy, which is very, it's not hard to find. And it is such, it, it is a TARDIS of a bookstore because you're yes. on the outside and it looks like, it looks like a little like shopping plaza from Maine, but then you go inside and honestly, it's like a wonderland of books. It's beautiful in there. Well, it used to be in a, a hobby store, uh, a hobby store where you could do trains and uh, RC cars and all sorts of things. And it has been converted into a bookstore. So it, it plays like, well. It does. It does. You know, there's plenty of space where you can sit down and read a book or browse. And it's, it's a fantastic little place. And 
if they come to the printed garden, there will be physical. There will likely be physical inventory there. So you got Amazon, you've got local bookstores, uh, and then I believe you have a website through which you you do distribution. Is that correct? I do have a website. I need to set up a new distribution system because the one I was using in the past, I'm not super super happy with. Um, and so for now. Uh, Amazon's probably the best bet for quick and easy. And I know everyone is so limited on time and resources. So you do you. If Amazon is your jam, go for it. Uh, you've got all three books in ebook form as well. Uh, Absolutely. Is there is there like a bundled package on, on Amazon where they can get all three for like a bundle price? There will be. Um, Ooh, cool. I will probably drop a bundle um, in the next three to six months as, and I think there's a possibility I might throw an extra novel in there. Ooh. This is secret insider info only for dungeon crawler listeners. Um, but there might be a secret novel inside the bundle. Is that, it a NaNoWriMo? Uh, is it a NaNoWriMo novel? Quite possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. By the way, folks, in case you're wondering, because a lot of this sounds like teed up questions, they're not. I did. I had we had no we didn't like script this and we didn't tell her what we were going to ask. I've just been asking questions off the cuff. Uh, And so, yeah, just so you know, these are all very authentic answers. And in about three to six months, you can look for a bundle (laughs) opportunity with a with a three plus one possibility. I I, want to see what this story is, this this NaNoWriMo story. I'm, I'm probably going to have to go through and gut it a little bit. Uh, it was written from a good place. I know. It might be from is the point of view of a love reading. interest. Yeah. Because it literally is like, like Bella and Edward story. Not. Except you're, like good. Except yeah. like good. Yeah. <laughs> With NaNoWriMo, it's like you're trying to vomit as many words as you can onto a page. and Sometimes you get some great stories other times you're just like oh i would never put this out in the light of day so so if you wait three to six months you too can own some of jody milner's vomit all right so (laughs) way to sell it (laughs) wow (laughs) i just i just recapped everything you just said that's why am i the bad guy (laughs) why am i the bad guy no you did you just you used the word vomit you know, Poss- the sad thing is, is, there's probably people out there that make a lot of money from that. So I know there's people that do from earwax, and, you know, snot rockets and toenail now, clipping. So. Where did we get? Mm. Gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to go us to back, a weird, dark we? place. Yeah, let's Let do me the change okay. the subject. We're going to steer the ship back I'm on course. I'm going to change the subject. Uh, so you. now... In the two and a half years, I mean, folks at home, Jody Milner is both a lovely human being and a consummate nerd. And in the two and a half years since our last discussion, a lot of really like big, uh, influential, major impact type IPs have been returning into the zeitgeist. For example, and I kind of... I kind of want to work from oldest to newest if I can a little bit here. And, and some of this is going to be a bit off the cuff. A few of these we chose in advance. But uh, it, it occurred to me while we were talking, I was like, oh, yeah, of course. There was a major, like, nerd contra- I- I- IP return that occurred. Um, Jody, 
have you seen the new Dune reboot? Of course I have. Of course you have. Of, of course, course I have. Okay, so give us the the 60-second to 120-second review of Dune by Jody Milner. For, for people who get really crazy on beautiful world building and this creation of places that feel so real, this new Dune is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you don't even need the story. Like, just just the way that they handled the costuming and the sets. They had this brutalism in the architecture alone that I was really impressed by. Um, but being a, a Dune nerd, I have watched all the iterations of Dune since the first. And I'm talking... There was one... Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then there was a weird one between. The horrible sci-fi one. It was terrible. terrible. Yeah, that one was was awkward. Um, Like, there have been so many attempts at capturing this story before that have fallen short of the potential that is within the story. And this new one really seizes that potential and, and just goes with it. And so I was highly impressed by it. It is a fascinating story also, but just the visuals alone, like those blew me away. Absolutely. That was longer than two minutes. No, no, That's you're okay. fine. I, my only complaint about the movie is the fact that the studio didn't invest enough to start working on the sequel until after they saw the box office. You know, so it. Yeah, puts that, I blame st- the studio for that because they had. No, it's totally the studio. Yeah, they had all the right elements. And, and it, it was one of those things where it's like, just bet on this horse. It's going to win. Yeah. And and well, sure enough. The dumb thing is, is you, you, you buy the rest of the IP knowing there's an invested fan base. And this is a huge fan base. Why would you say, okay, we're not going to start filming the next one? Well, maybe and they were nervous. Rich, maybe they were nervous because they saw the sci-fi original series. And they were like, okay, it's possible to do yeah. this in the worst way possible. Let's uh, Let's just be cautious. Yeah, but I mean, now they run the risk of, you know, an actor not being available, an actor horribly, unforgivably passing away. I mean, and then you, I mean, it's it's possible. It's happened. It's possible. It's happened you know? a lot lately. Are we having a Wakanda yeah. moment here? I feel like we're having a Wakanda moment. Yes. No, 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 no. no. We're not having a Wakanda moment because the next Dune will be good. Yes. Anyway, so <laughs> this is true. Wakanda forever. Oh. Wakanda yeah. for never, please. Anyway, oh so... God. Oh, we haven't done a review episode. Spoilers, we have opinions. All right, so... Yes. Uh, uh, Fast-forwarding through the nerd zeitgeist a little bit here, Amazon last year put out The Wheel of Time. In fact, I think it was about this time last year. No, it was February of this year, wasn't it? It was February. This Excuse year, me. Yeah. I always think it was like November. Something came out in November of last year. Anyway, so uh, The Wheel of Time Season 1 dropped. And we have some very specific views on this as well. But I'm curious where Jody Milner falls on this one. So as a fantasy author, I got to see the debates unroll in real time amongst you know my peers and it was so amazingly polarized. Either people were wholeheartedly, this is incredible. I This is kind of how I envisioned all of this stuff. And then there was the other side of the coin where they're like, oh my gosh, they didn't follow, you know, they didn't, they added all of this weird stuff and they did like all this stuff that wasn't in the books. I'm like, 
everyone loved Harry Potter. Not everything in the books got in the movie. There's a reason for that. That's true. Yeah. So, so did you enjoy the series? I thought they did a brilliant job. In fact, walking, like walking into, watching like these early episodes was like walking into my own novel. And that was both amazing and really creepy. Because <laughs> my story starts very much like Wheel of Time. You've got like the little shepherd boy that's in the village. And they're like, oh no, bad happens. Oh no. Um, like I've got my, my, she's not a shepherd girl. She's a healer's apprentice, but she's in the little village and then bad happens. And, and like, all of the different imagery was like, oh my gosh, this is also my world too. And part of me wanted to just absorb it all. Yeah. Because again, the costuming was so pretty. Mer okay, all the Aesidai's costumes were so incredible. And I could yeah, geek out over that for just ages. Um, did I like that they added weird motivation to all of the characters from the Two Rivers? <laughs> I wasn't fond of that, but I could see as a writer, I could see that how necessary that was because otherwise you couldn't make the pieces fall together in a way that was compelling enough for people who were not familiar with the books. Yeah. At the risk of estranging those who were diehard fanatics. Yeah. So I could see why they did it. And part of me is like, yeah, that you could have done that differently. But I, I thought they did a brilliant job. I really enjoyed it. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I highly recommend that you go back into our backlog of episodes and listen to the unintentional two-parter for yeah. the, the Wheel of Time. We, we, we went in trying to do a single review episode and it became two parts. So go listen to those, hear our opinions, and then you can tell us how uh, right or wrong we are. <laughs> and then uh, finally, I want to touch on a more recent uh, return of, of a nerd IP, the Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. We did a review on this also. What did you think of the Rings of Power? So it's a bit of a mixed bag. Again, they they did what they needed to do to make everything glorious and beautiful like it deserved. So I love the way they treated um, all the different settings. However, I think they would have benefited from simplifying if you can simplify Tolkien, and that's, <laughs> I can see the conflict there, but I felt like they were spreading themselves a bit thin with introducing the half dozen point of view characters. It was hard to know who you were rooting for, but they all kind of had to be there. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, how many episodes will it take to get back to this character again? Because we have to, you know, get everybody else's little say and then come back. So did I... I think they treated the source material with respect. I know there's an uproar over some of the casting choices, but again, fantasy represents human, like human nature. And I want everyone to see themselves in these stories. And so if they see a character that's like them and they're like, yay, I'm represented, I'm all for it. Is it true to the exact nature of the source material? No, he was writing a very European story with a very European cast. Like, so without the risk of getting overly political, I think it's fine having representation and I was all for it. Was it a little strange? Yeah, uh, but I didn't care that much. 
Awesome. Like when they finally put a redhead in Star Wars, I was thrilled. <laughs> Enfys Nest yep. is my spirit animal. And <clears throat> I, when there was that reveal, I'm like, oh my gosh. So I have you, a weren't, new hero. you weren't, you weren't jazzed about General Hux? General Hux was awkward. Um, yeah, because he was he a redhead. My he was, but he wasn't representative of me. He's representative oh, okay. of Dan. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I don't know. He was kind of a dimwit. <laughs> and not truly representative of and Now he's it. representative of other people. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Uh, to There's so many different characters I wish they would have fleshed out more, but that's okay. I know. I would love to have seen more of her just because you had, you know, this kind of really, you know, respectable woman character that had this big bushy red hair and freckles. I'm just like, thank you. So because you don't see that ever. Like Pippi Longstocking was the last one, and that was 40 years ago. So so there is a character in, in the Star Wars Legends that would have been perfect for you, which would have been, you know, yeah. Which would have been Mario Jade. I knew I knew you were gonna say that, but we had yeah. people at home that didn't know you were gonna say that. I know. No, Mara Jade would have been perfect. Uh beautiful red hair, pink lightsaber. I would Emperor love right hand. Yeah. I would love for John Favreau and Taika Waititi and that whole and Dave Filoni and that whole brain trust to find a way to do Mara Jade right. And and until they feel good about it, I'm okay if they don't. Right? Like just just don't touch it until you're ready to do it right. All right, so we are actually swiftly running out of time. And Jody, in the two and a half years since we last had you on the show, we have instituted a new DCR tradition, which is the lightning round. Now, the lightning round is not anything scary or terrible. I come up with a series of questions, most of them off the cuff, and I just expect you to give me the word association level answer to each one of them. Just answer honestly as quickly as you can. No need for preparation. No need for overthinking. Sound good? Sure. Awesome. And everyone at home heard that you agreed to this. All right, cool. Let's go. All right. So on your marks, get set. Here we are. Jody Milner, what is your favorite color? Purple. What is your favorite comfort food? Ooh, Cheetos puffs or jelly beans. Oh, oh, interesting. Okay, cool. Not together. Uh, uh, on a rainy day when you can... Sit in your most comfortable blanket and watch any movie you wish. What movie is it? Dang it. That's a hard one. Princess know, Bride? Right? Oh, that's a great that's choice. That's a good one. Wonderful. And then finally. Or Galaxy Quest. Oh. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Double feature. That's what I hear. All right. And then finally, what is your stance on the 1983 sci-fi fantasy film, Crawl? Oh, goodness. I have no stance because that one has not entered my lexicon. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, this film is spelled K-R-U-L-L. -L. It's from 1983, and I highly recommend you check it out. And then you can may, tell me all about it. He may or may not like this movie. It may I or may not be very important. This one being recalled, this one being mentioned when we spoke last. I Probably. He keeps I, about oh, I probably mentioned it's scratching it. an itch that I swear you've mentioned it before and I still haven't acted on it. Well, <laughs> in that case, what is your stance on watching 1983's Crawl at my house after the printed garden event? 
You know, <laughs> that totally depends <laughs> on a lot of factors. Everyone on the show is invited. <laughs> to be clear. It's a watch party. It's a watch party. We're doing Woo! this. Uh, <laughs> Hail COVID. The COVID is dead. Come over. Let's hang out in a group. All right. Cool. Well, uh, Jody, you are awesome. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, your your effervescent personality comes through in every answer. And thank you so very much for completing your trilogy. Once again, you can find the Shadow Barrier Trilogy, the Stonebearer books, on Amazon or at the Printed Garden or uh, I guess at, on your website. You mentioned that earlier. You have to get some inventory there, but you weren't happy with the distribution service. So focus on Amazon. Find a way to support Jody Milner because she's an exceptional author. Jody, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you, guys. This was super fun. All right, guys. So support Jody because that way Jody gets to write more books and then you get to see more amazing stuff. Three books on a vomit. Let's go. Yes. Yes. I mean, the best part about this is it's not, oh, there's one book. Do I get a second book? There's three books available now. You can read all three. Uh, Christmas is right around the corner. So if you have someone that loves fantasy, you can pick up the whole set, uh, which I would highly suggest. Uh, if you are in the area, you can go to the Printed Garden. It's always awesome to get a signed copy. Um, not only that, uh, if you're a fan X, Jody tends to be there uh, in dress. Um, yeah, she she tends to wear some fun, festive outfits uh, and then tells your daughter to punch you every time you see a Pokemon. Uh, that was my favorite thing I've done ever. Oh, my God. <laughs> I am not sorry. She she had a sadistic laugh every time she said oh, Pokemon. Oh, my arm. But. Uh, definitely well worth the read. Definitely well worth picking up. Uh, it, it's been great. I've known Jody for a while. Uh, as you can tell, she she loves writing and she's super excited about the plots and storylines that she develops. So go out and pick up a copy. And with that said, we'll catch you next time. Let your geek flag fly. So say we all. And always remember to be epic and don't suck. Remember... The force will be with you, always.